Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. I am absolutely delighted this week to have here in the studio the wonderful Gizzy Erskine, chef and food writer extraordinaire. Hello, Gizzy. Hello. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really excited to be here. Each week we start by asking our guest, how are you? Like, how are you really? Because we ask that question like a million times a day. We go, yeah, fine, whatever. Because if we actually stopped and gave each other the real answer, we'd be there all day. But I want you to give me a real answer. How are you? I'm actually really good, which is great. Because a year ago, I was really not good. (laughs) So so, I don't actually, probably probably a bit less than a year ago. I don't know. Like, I, I had a bit of a funny year for various reasons. I started to feel a little bit... Um, manic in myself so I don't know I had I then the, the year sort of imploded after after that so kind of today I'm very much feeling really good I'm definitely getting myself back I really measure things from like I'll say oh today is April the whatever um this is how I was feeling last April the whatever yeah. and oh my god I was feeling absolutely effing awful yeah I don't know like I think I think it's kind of good like there's very much a, a thing what a difference a day makes isn't it but like what a difference this a year has made I think it's it's becoming quite a poignant time for me right this very second I had a lot of self-doubt I think at the beginning of the year and I started questioning my own sanity and and I think throughout that so up until the end of the year actually and then this year for some reason I sort of had a weird first few weeks and then suddenly I seems to be clearing I like that what you said what a difference a year makes because mm. I think when we're in a moment it can feel like it's never gonna pass mm. and when you're feeling really low like a minute feels like an hour an hour feels like a day and mm. so on and so forth but it does pass I mean can you talk me through a bit what what you went through was it a depression was it should I start at the beginning probably about 12 years ago I was having a really rough time I, I've always been quite a, an anxious person but my anxieties never sort of appeared in the way that everybody else's did in, in the same sense that people have panic attacks. Mm-hmm. I would get really frustrated and either like completely melt down, like my brain would cave in and I would completely flatline actually and I just want to lie on the floor and sleep. Or I'd just get really agitated and really like angry, I mm-hmm. guess is the best way to put it. And I would get sort of panicky to a point but it was never the same sort of thing. Anyway, I went through this phase where I started to get really ill, like properly, I'd get infections. So I think it started off with an ear infection and then it was a kidney infection, then it was a bladder infection and I had an infection in my sinuses and oh. I kept getting like loads of antibiotics because the doctors weren't really recognising that this might be a bigger picture and this all happened in about two months. 
what were you doing at the time? Were you? I was think training to be a chef, so okay. it was very stressful time for me. So you were at Leith's cookery school. I was school. at Leith's, yes. So like the creme de la creme of yeah, cookery school. Exactly, but also you know I was one of the poorest people in, in the school, so I lived on my own. Uh, I ended up sort of being evicted during school. I was working every hour, God sent. You know, I don't. The school was like nine to five thirty every day. Then you'd have coursework, and then I was working in restaurants in the evening and the weekends. I was body piercing on the weekends. <laughs> you collapsed, didn't you? Yeah. So uh, it was after one day. I'd been working like solidly, and we'd gone to do this like not field trip, but like the equivalent to go to um, the meat market at Smithfields. I was up all night basically. Not, I hadn't done that before for some reason I think because I was so exhausted mm. I got into school and it was just spun out massively completely passed out burst into tears and then the headmistress one called Caroline Wardergrove at the time who owned it back then she was just like you know I was completely unconsolable I don't cry but when I do it's just like it took me about two hours to like pull myself together in the end she was like look this has got to stop you know and she ended up really sweetly giving me my last term's fees back mm. on as a loan when I finished and Thankfully, I did very well. I ended up coming top of the school and um, won the least good food in, intern placement, which has been which has been brilliant for me. Anyway, so it was during that time that I was having like this complete internal meltdown, and I've always had these kind of weird things. I've always done that thing of like, if I'm not feeling good, my thing is just go to sleep, mm-hmm. and I always did that, and that was fine. It just was normal to me. I didn't really think of it as being an issue, but then suddenly you're realizing when you can't actually do that, mm. and it actually was starting to send me a bit loopy and you know my my body was actually giving up on me to the point where I started getting all these infections and turned out that because I was taking so many antibiotics I ended up getting like a real extreme candida of my throat and Mm -hmm. stomach and it was so extreme like my stomach would be like totally swollen my tongue would swell up I almost became allergic to my own adrenaline okay and my tongue would swell up so much I would become lacerated on my teeth Mm. and it it would be bleeding the whole time I was in so much pain um, How old were you at the time? I was 20, 21, 22. Okay. Quite like a key period of your life where you should be out having fun yeah. and all that. Well, I sort of still was doing all of that <laughs> okay. as well. Okay. Um, it, was, it, was, it. it was relentless, put it that way. Yeah. You know, there was, it was nonstop. And when I left school at 15, uh, my father died on my very first GCSE. And um, I just didn't go back to school. And he died of cancer? He, yeah, of uh, prostate and testicular cancer. And so, you know, my sort of, thing was I was quite pragmatic in my head but I was just like that I'm not doing that again school's done not interested couldn't actually get out of bed for a while but it wasn't depression it wasn't really it wasn't even facing up to the fact that he died it was just like a bit more woe is me I'm a teenager sort of thing and like why is nobody understanding I don't know it was classic sort of well not classic teenager things my dad had just died but you know it wasn't really a point where it it wasn't a normal behavior for somebody whose parents had died you know I kind of switched off rather than dealt with it yeah so you completely blocked it out? Completely, I think, for about five, six years, weirdly. Anyway, so then fast-forwarding to this time, when I was at school, I really wanted to succeed. I knew I was clever, you know. I was getting... I had A-stars and A's in my mock GCSEs. And even though I didn't do my GCSEs, I still left with really good marks. So I kind of knew that I could do it, but I never had anything to prove it. So I went to be a body piercer for years and did really well at that. Ended up running a, one of the biggest studios in, in the world on my own for, like, years. By the time I was, like, 20, that was kind of what I was doing. But, you know, I always wanted to cook. When my mum was having dinner parties when I was younger, I'd always be at the top of the stairs and found it so glamorous and always wanted to help. And food was the thing that bonded us. So I knew that that was sort of going to be my vocation, really. So by the time I actually sort of wanted to, got my act together and went to catering school, I really wanted to do well. I knew that, and I was doing really well at school, but so that was kind of why I was pushing Mm. myself so much. 
but I never really had that kind of discipline from my mum to push myself. So when I was doing it, I always have it from my um, from myself, you know, off your own back, off my own back entirely. And it's almost like I'm my own worst critic. So if I was gonna mess up, then I I'd have myself to deal with, which is actually worse than anyone else, you know. You, By this uh, day, I was like completely like covered in candida. Like I ended up, I had really extreme chronic fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I went to a different doctor, and my mum and dad's doctor, the doctor I grew up with, which was a private doctor. And first thing he said to me was, you've got really bad anxiety or depression or something. I need to talk to you more. And he was like, you know, your father was bipolar. Maybe we should talk about that. And I was like, what? None of us really thought anything about this. You know, we not, my sisters and I didn't really know this. My mum had said a few things which were questionable. Like, you know, he used to have come home and sometimes just want his dinner in a bath. You know, my big sister said that one time he came out of the bath having covered in blood and the tile had fallen off and stuff. So, you know, there was wow. nothing... Yeah, it was quite a weird thing. But I don't really have those memories about him at all. I remember him being sort of slightly hot-headed okay. or, like, really... He was either really kind of hyper. He was always, you know, he'd walk into a room and he'd be like... Ta-da! The energy. Yeah. Or he'd be kind of, like, compressed. You know, I there was something about him that was not really full of life. I remember mm-hmm. those sorts of things. But never seeing it, it was bad. That was just my dad. But suddenly, when we said this to my mum, she was like... Absolutely, that was exactly what what was going on, and back then it was, was called manic depression, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he started talking to me to see whether that was going to be. It, it turned yeah. out that we, that I probably had a condition which was called um, acute biological anxiety, I believe, like a really extreme ver- version of anxiety that actually starts to physically, physically, affect you. yeah, come into your body. And and um, I remember hearing a story about somebody's leg who twisted itself around. He he had a tick, and then suddenly his whole leg would like twist around because everything from that all the way through to actually making yourself physically ill it's so, incredible isn't it because people talk about it's all in the mind that's just a brilliant book actually called exactly that mm-hmm. it's all in the mind about people who physically they go blind mm-hmm. but they aren't actually blind but it's all it's because it was of, like psychosomatic it was not psychosomatic yeah. but it's like but people get upset and they think yeah. well, uh, well that kind of implies that it isn't real but it's just as real yeah because it's happening to you do you mm-hmm. know what i mean it doesn't matter what the what the cause it's just as bad yeah no totally and it and the, but the thing was with me i was just because i knew so much about health i was and, and because i was cooking all the time i wasn't having it in my head i was like don't be ridiculous like this is complete i've just got candida because i've taken too many antibiotics yeah so you refuse to believe that yeah. it had anything to do with anxiety or depression no not at all and he was just like look what you need to do is trust me you can go on your candida diet have a lovely time but in the meantime i'm going to give you this pill and we'll see who who wins you know Okay. And within two days, the candidate has started clearing itself up. <laughs> so it was one of those things that within, it was insane how fast it worked. Wow. So, you know, and I, I still went on my candidate diet for six weeks. And by the end of the six weeks, I was completely cured of that problem. But, you know, also, I, without doubt, as the medicine. You know, there are certain things that trigger it still, like, like I can't drink white wine um, okay. at all for two reasons. One, it sends me insane because of the yeast (laughs) and the sugar in it Uh, but secondly it brings back my stomach problems and my my mouth problems back up instantly but actually it's without doubt it's medication and weirdly I haven't really had that kind of anxiety since then at all and I'm one of those people who's really pro medication a lot of people aren't no I know well that's really interesting because I was going to talk to you you know you put yourself on a candida Mm. diet and I know you've spoken a lot about the clean eating Mm. kind of fads and and all of that and it's really interesting to see that you are really pro medication because mm. I, I mean I'm really pro medication mm. but essentially it's up to people yeah. to kind of decide what they want to do but I feel it's like if you have a if you had any other illness mm. 
you would be, be like, t- I'm going to go and heal myself with honey. I mean, I do. I do think that there are certain there are different types of anxiety and depression, you know, and mm. and cer- some are circumstantial, and some are biological. And I think because mine is biological, I physically cannot produce serotonin in the same way. I have to take this medication. Without it, I'm doing myself a disservice. Yeah. I, I we can talk about therapy in a bit, you know, because I've got lots to say about that too. Therapy hasn't really worked for me, really, at all. I actually have really relied. I've not the... even relied on it. It actually is just, it was so almost instantaneous for me that I've, n- I've never queried it. My sister also has a similar condition and she goes off on and off her medication. And she when she's off it, six months later, she'll have another episode. Now I don't have those. Mm. You know, I definitely go through harder times. I mean, speaking about last year, you know, but that was definitely a more of a circumstantial thing. That was what was going on in my life at the time. So, what, so without wanting to be too nosy, what she <laughs> says as a journalist, mm. what was going on and what was the kind of lead up? Because I know, I mean, you do you tell me, but you had a sort of diagnosis of something else, yeah. didn't you? So I started, I think I guess like works was quite bonkers. I had a breakup, which okay. was obviously the pits. I just was, I was just so busy and so relentless. You know, my, my life is completely relentless anyway, it always has been. But I think I got to another stage, maybe that I was like, when you know, back 12 years ago when I first got diagnosed. And I started to lose sight of myself. You were you throwing know. yourself into work and stuff. And yeah, just everything. And like every time I stopped, I mean, I get, as a cook, I was getting sort of more angry. You know, we are quite notoriously angry. <laughs> Do you know what it was? Was I was looking at my niece, who is very similar to me. And she has this thing where she'll she'll get go from one to zero. Like, sorry, zero to 100 and go berserk. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly like me. <laughs> How um, old is your niece? She's nine. Okay, yeah. I um, look at my four-year-old and sometimes think, ooh, whoa. that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. And so the, I think there was a moment where people were querying where she was where she was on the spectrum at, point, at any point. It turns out she's not. But, you know, in those talks, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe I'm on the spectrum. You know, I must be Asperger's or something. And people had always referred to me as being ADHD. Mm-hmm. I'm really quite manic anyway, as a whole. And... You know, I, I sort of like bounce all, bouncing off the walls half the time, talk too much, always say too much. You know, and it's been brilliant with so many things creatively. It's been brilliant mm. in cooking. You really need to be like this. If you're cooking professionally, it's always I'm thinking two steps ahead. My brain is very different to a lot of people's. You know, I know almost like I feel like I know what's going to happen before it happens, weirdly. Yeah. I've never really had that mixed with the sort of whole side of me being ethereal and losing myself. People are starting to think, oh, maybe you're actually ADHD. I just really was questioning actually my sanity. So I actually was thought, well, I'm either, I think when you overthink your mental health as well, which is another classic yeah. thing, I was getting really fixated on it again. Anyway, went to the doctor and they were like, you are so ADHD, it's ridiculous. I can't believe that you've never been told this officially before. And everyone had always taken the piss out of me, you know. All my friends would be like, oh, and then you saw a squirrel, and then there was a wasp. And I'm like, it is, it's actually become that. So was it kind of a bit of a relief? Or did everything sort of make a lot more sense to you suddenly? It means that I can explain myself to other people now who might not get it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some people might just look at me and think I can be quite bonkers or frantic or... And it's like, there is, you know, I don't know how to not be like that. Mm -hmm. And it's not... I've been like it forever. But then there's also, a, you know, a side to it. Or if I'm people, something, sometimes people think I'm really rude because I'll be like, oh. I've exactly. seen a squirrel yeah, or, exactly. or a butterfly. Yeah. Or just something in the back of my eyeball, you know. <laughs> you um, get distracted. I get really distracted. So it's, it's good. It means I can explain it. And also the anger thing. Because I've been to lots of therapies. You really? Know? And so- anger management was one which I tried years ago, actually. And never got it. Because I've always, a lot of my friends will say I'm quite feisty. So do you kind of explode? 
Yeah. <laughs> Always did. I got in fights at school and stuff like that. Really? Mm. Like physical fights? Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting because, again, what I think is so brilliant about the fact that people are talking about this stuff mm. now is that kids that 20 years ago would have been just called troublemakers, yeah. we know that there's actually stuff going on yep. and we can actually help these people yeah. and so you talking out about this is incredibly helpful mm, no totally so, I mean I've spoken about it on my Instagram and Twitter before mm. and it's really interesting how many adults have gone particularly on, on sort of more from the Asperger's side I mean I know that's not really a condition anymore it's still considered autism but you know how many people actually sort of feel that they are on a spectrum but they mm. can't quite work out what it is and the thing is sometimes it, you're right after finding out like what does it change? Does, is it important? It's not really important. I was offered medication for ADHD. The thing I find hardest as an adult is focus. You know, if I need to write a, a piece, I'll be like, you know, my brain's all over the place. I still do all my own writing, all my recipe development, work at all my events for myself. You know, I do everything myself. Like, there's me and my assistant Rose, and that is it mm-hmm. in our world. And I have to be remembering all these things. And sometimes if I'm writing, it's okay if I'm running all over the place, but if I'm writing, I need focus. Yeah. But I decided not to do it, actually, because actually also when I'm writing it, sort of needing those ideas and being able to spin and think of these things and think on my feet, actually, I was really scared that, well, my doctor said you'll lose your spark and your brilliance in inverted commas Mm -hmm. and for its, like, real sense of the word, you know. Yeah. Is there an element of that? I think a lot of people who have these issues, so to speak, are really awesome, interesting, fabulous, gregarious people Mm. and... It's really interesting because I think necessarily, you know, people say, oh, people always said you're ADHD, Mm. but you strike me as like a really happy kind of outgoing person. Mm. But I think it's really interesting to get that across that sometimes underneath it's like, what's going on? Well, I think my my thing is I'm always exhausted because my brain doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. And also because my brain doesn't stop, my body doesn't stop. So I have like sort of night terrors and like I jolt up in the I night. Have to like that. Now, just for the listener yeah. who can't see, Gizzy is like the most animated, awesome <laughs> person. The things that calm me are the sun. And also if I eat too much, that's a really good thing. I completely zone out. Let's talk about food and how important it is to you. Mm. And is cooking a sort of form of therapy or is that just, am I, is that bollocks? No, 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 <laughs> like absolutely. I mean, I, I cook in two different ways. You know, I cook as my profession and I cook for the love and both of them are for the love obviously but cooking in my professional sense is brilliant because it uses my brain up uses a lot of the energy that I have Mm -hmm. stored in me and I have like 10 times more energy than your average person and and it's a brilliant way of sort of like I believe my sister's son they run around the school every day all the boys to like wear off the energy and I think that that's exactly what cooking (laughs) professionally does for me the great thing and there are so many chefs have got ADHD by the way I just want to say that yeah and that is you know, first of all, if you know any chefs, you will definitely see that a lot of them are like this. You need to be able to think ahead of your, yourself. You know, you need to be able to have that kind of focus. This is the one thing I can focus on. Mm. And it really helps me. So you um, need to be in the oven while everyone else is mixing yeah. up the... Exactly. Whatever. And a, a good, you know, sous chef or a good, a, a good kitchen works with people who have had that same brain as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it becomes quite sort of well choreographed dance, I suppose, because everyone's in each other's brains, essentially. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's a brilliant the guy called Loyal Karna. He's a, a sort of young British rapper, I guess. And he's doing a big thing about ADHD in kitchens at the moment. Oh, and really? so it sort of was really interesting. It's, it's actually, I think Vice covered it. It's really okay. cool. But then actually, if I'm cooking for myself, that's something which I find therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I think that's kind of in a normal sense, it's therapy. Yeah. I actually think the professional side to cooking yeah. is where I get my release from more, okay. actually, than the personal one. Okay. 
so you mentioned earlier that therapy hasn't been that helpful for you and I know a lot of people mm. kind of struggle and I describe it as like finding a good boyfriend yeah. <laughs> you have to like I, go I, through a lot of yeah. Uh, maybe yeah what's your experiences of it i first had therapy when my father died actually i forgot i was actually put on prozac at that point when i was 15 15 yeah quite young and i was on it for a few days and i i felt like it didn't work for me then i didn't really understand it to be honest so i just came off it and think i was in inverted commas fine at that stage just didn't really get anything i i, I think I, my brain is so pragmatic i feel like i've just done and dusted everything First of all, I think I'm always right. So I think maybe that's the reason. And it's like... <laughs> you, can't, you can't take you to therapy. Yeah, I feel like I've taken everything and I've put myself in it and I've whirled around and I've looked at every single angle. I've faced up to it all, I think. So mm. I always think, well, what are we getting out of it? Actually, sometimes I feel like it's made me crosser with people that I shouldn't be cross with okay. and that I'm kind of haven't had problems with. It, make, it makes me see things in a way that... Now I have resentments that I didn't have before. <laughs> and I'm sure that that is kind of the same for most people. And maybe the more therapy you do, the more you get over that. But I don't know. I just, it's never really worked for me. The problem that I've had is sort of anger management therapy. I did that again last year. Part of that is what you need to do is really sort of think when you're getting angry. I'm like, I can't think. That's part of my brain. It does not allow me to think. I've exploded and then I think. Is it a red mist? You know. I mean, it's not even a red mist. It's like... No, I'm doing it, so it's, it's not a red mist. It's like a it's just It's just out. It's like, boof. Mm-hmm. It comes from every emotion for me, actually. Everything's always bash, you know. You know where you stand with you. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I don't have the ability to not be honest. Oh, God, no. Well, what's the point? No. But actually, that's also a problem, because me, that gets me into trouble, because I tell everybody <laughs> everything and really inappropriate stuff. Do what about yourself, about other people? just everything <laughs> no probably mostly about myself actually I'm quite good at keeping other people's secrets I but feel like if I keep a secret from someone like I feel like if I don't tell them every single cough spit and whatever of my life that I'm some way betraying them that's an obsessive compulsive yeah. thing confession um, but then it's impulsive from me I think that's the difference the compulsion is to keep telling the impulses that it just has out but is it are you sometimes sort of entertaining people or do you I think now I am there is an element okay if we're going to get into the sort of therapeutic <laughs> the I think I like laying my the cards on the table and then you can't have a problem with me because I know I'm slightly unusual and then you preempted any problems yeah and it's yeah. like okay so this is it deal with it so I think it's almost like a bit of self-preservation on that level. Mm. Not that I actually care what people... I remember one of those people who doesn't really care anymore what people think. I used to. don't think I do anymore. But no, I think it's really interesting that I definitely tell people things as a kind of... Well, then if you know and I've told you, then you yeah. have no power over Yeah, exactly. I have all the power yeah, over absolutely. it. absolutely. It doesn't matter what you think. And I certainly think that it's got to do that now. What are the things that help you? So being on the beach... Yep. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's Travel... Tough. Travel. Travel. Um, Aeroplanes, weirdly. I can really? completely zone out in them. You know, I love going to see bands. I like, I just like getting immersed in creative things. So hang out with people that are like-minded and plotting world domination and fun creative projects. That's the sort of stuff that I kind of can relax with. I don't really relax in those things. The <laughs> things that I zone out on the sun that's probably about it so if we're talking about food and mm. i've discovered if you eat crap you will feel yeah. crap guess what yeah what will you not put in your body in a million years i eat everything everything i right. eat everything i was in the papers the other day for going to mcdonald's i had about three burgers some chips some chicken nuggets and an apple pie i to myself 
<laughs> on a hangover it's quite impressed but I mean that happens once a year you know yeah, and I was very hungover <laughs> very 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 hungover I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna do it just do it yeah there's no point going to McDonald's and only having like six chicken nuggets or cheese but just cheese you may as well have what? 20 quite right I think all our neuroses yeah. are coming out no now. totally <laughs> oh no see I'm I'm actually quite good I think my mum's brought me up in a way that's where I, I don't know if it's a thing that she's sort of inherently pushed on to us, but I, none of us have really had problems with food. And I think really? and I think that that's got a lot to do with the fact that we've always never looked at anything as unusual. The only thing that is things like McDonald's, because my mum bought us up on fresh stuff. I used to beg my mum to make fish fingers and chips or like chop some peas. And she'd be like some extravagant pad thai with some weird dried <laughs> prawns when your friends come around. Or I had like the smelly lunchbox at school and stuff. I had to beg for junk and so i think i do secretly love junk food okay. um because of that but i don't care about that most chefs live off junk food everyone thinks just because you're a chef that you shouldn't eat rubbish and i don't you know i just like everything variety is the spice of life and everything in moderation you know mm-hmm. if i'm dying of a hangover i'm not making myself nice food it's not happening yeah. i'm forward, forward rolling into a mcdonald's or delivering something over like a normal person yeah you and know? then don't beat yourself up for it i don't at all because most of the time 90 percent of the time i eat really well mm-hmm. and but then i eat because i know what i'm doing you know my thing is about feasting micronutrients like eating loads more veg better quality meat less of it um really good whole grain carbohydrates or carbohydrates have come from sort of early grains that have been process in a better way you know so everything else I eat the majority of the time I can be really preachy about things okay. because that's just naturally the food I love it's not because I'm being preachy it's it's actually because you know this is the stuff I enjoy I enjoy vegetables it's really important actually on an environmental point I do care about the animal as well is to eat small produced well-bred artisanal meat mm-hmm. and eat a tiny bit of it one great thing about my mum was that we didn't we weren't brought up in a chops and peas kind of world it was like a little bit of meat goes a very long way we spent a lot of time in Thailand a chicken breast would feed three people yeah. not one person so that's kind of I'm kind of programmed like that which is great and that's been quite good for eating healthily and well, it does make me feel better because you know? food food can be like a drug I mean I've spoken openly I had bulimia and for me it was like another way of taking drugs it was yep. like a kind of numbing myself by overeating yep. and now I'm going to get like learning everything you said like small amounts of meat vegetables like I really hate that when I people say how so how do you feel better I'm like I'm gonna tell you that it's exercise that you're yeah. doing well and you're gonna hate me yeah <laughs> but it's true but it's, but actually you know exercise for me is is the one as well you know eating well of course it helps but like, I don't like I said if I'm eating badly if I'm eating really bad food it's probably because I've gone and smashed it the night before or something <laughs> so I'm not gonna be feeling good anyway exercise is the thing that keeps me sane 100 really? percent. what do you do Lots of different things. I love running. Running's the my sanity Can keeper. Can we go running together? Can we go running together? Well, how far do you... Like, yeah, let's go running together. Yeah. Let's I, go I, now. Yeah, no. come on. <laughs> I've got... Um, I, you we, what, you I, have the most amazing, like, pussy bow. And they would not be comfortable to up No, running. I think... Yeah, that's And we've both got idea. quite short skirts on. Yeah. <laughs> be quite fun. We'll definitely get a, an audience. Probably for the, all the wrong reasons. Running. So I, I love to run. Um, I have a personal trainer and I like to do weights with her and hit training love to swim but i never get to swim so when i go away i swim every day i like to exercise as often as i can my dream scenario is four times a week most weeks if i'm honest it's one or two once or twice mm-hmm. but i love exercising more and i know that you're saying like everyone thinks you're nuts but once you get the bug mm. it's so great it literally the, the endorphins and what I mean, you probably know more about the chemicals that you get when you exercise but 
they beat most things. They do beat most things. Yeah. And it's like a really good coping mechanism as opposed to a really rubbish one. Absolutely. So all my previous coping mechanisms have been, been like... Self-destructive. Self-destructive <laughs> yeah. and made me feel worse in the yeah. long run. Whereas, mm. I mean, exercise can make you feel bad if you injure yourself. Yeah. But you can still feel quite smug. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, oh, Smugness I'm, is I'm, such a vibe. I know. It's <laughs> such a good vibe. Whereas I didn't ever feel smug coming off like a five-day bender. Ever. No, I no, felt no. full of self-loathing. Yeah, self-loathing. No, um, also swearing that you're never going to do anything like that ever again, which inevitably you, you do. do. You still do. Yeah. I still do it. Yeah, I still occasionally so. fall off the wagon now. And it's. And I think that's really important, though, to say that we, you know, all of these things, food, exercise, mm. it's like a journey thing. And sometimes you don't get it right. Sometimes yep. you bugger up. Mm. and But that's okay. And you get up, you pull yourself off the floor and you start again. Mm. What would be your sort of advice for any girls or boys or whatever listening now who they're sort of unsure mm. of what they want to do but they're I think the focus thing is is interesting you know I think I, I was that classic student where people would always say could do better if only they focus more and that to me should have been alarm bells for a lot of people and it wasn't and I, I'd like to think nowadays we knew we know a lot more about these things and that those alarm bells are probably well and truly there I don't, I don't know I think just have faith in yourself Nobody really explained to me, or I never really understood, maybe that's the, the better way of putting it, the importance of school and all of those things. I've always had some kind of weird self-confidence that I, I was always going to be all right, though, mm -hmm. and that I was always going to find my way. I don't know if I ever had those sort of insecurities back then that a lot of people do have. Mm. To go back to the very mm. beginning where I said, how are you? And you said, compared to a year ago, mm. how did you feel... Did you feel depressed? Did you feel... No, I was, I was depressed for the first time yeah. ever. I was really, like, couldn't get out of bed. Very, very, very sad. Yeah. Almost sort of, sort of, like, permanent treatment for sadness. You know, I almost went into a clinic for a while. Really? Yeah. What, why didn't you? Did you just... Um, because I was too busy, if I'm completely honest. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of the work. I was contracted to a lot of things. Do you feel, do you feel that in your industry, like mm. if you turned around, which is really mm. high octane, really big pressure, and mm. as you said, there's a lot of chefs we know, you know, that sort of have ADHD or other issues. Do you feel, because we all talk about mental health and the importance of talking about it and how it's like, it's great, everyone's talking about it now, but I still know there's a lot of people that say that and they know that if they turned around in their own industry and said, I'm feeling really unwell, I need two weeks off, three weeks yeah. off, it would be like unthinkable. Yes, it w I mean, the, th the problem is, is again, I live in a such different world, so I can only speak for myself. <laughs> like, within my world, I'm my own boss. Mm. Also, I can't, I mean, it was serious. I mean, I literally was contemplating terrible things. So, really? you know, it was that serious. But I don't think I could sort of turn around to somebody and say, I feel like my mindset is in that zone. I want to, you know, I need to take time out. Because I don't think when you're on short contracts, I just don't know. Like, I don't so feel like how you can do that. When you say you were contemplating terrible things, was that sort of suicidal thoughts? I don't think I ever was suicidal, but I didn't want to live anymore. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? So I didn't yeah. want to kill myself. I didn't plan to kill myself, but I definitely didn't want to live. Does that make sense? It's a totally. very different thing. Yeah, no, um, I know, but it's it's yeah, like... I definitely had had enough. Mm -hmm. And I was just like really put on. I had no energy and I couldn't... I was all cried out. And I was just like a bit of a shell of a person. Everyone was very worried about me. How did you pull it back? I guess I've got a really rubbish ethos, which is you just got to crack the fuck on, <laughs> which is, you know, and eventually I just actually, you know what, instead of we did make time in my diary, I spent two weeks away on holiday, which kind of cleared my brains out. I would still kind of, you know, every day got better and better and better. But actually it kind of came full circle in the end. And sometimes I'd have a day where it was really hideous. 
and then also the thing the thing that's really weird is you know a lot a lot of this was being heavily put upon with work with workload and feeling very I don't know but also it was heartbreak as well and that's what mm. you know there was something inside me that was like you're not gonna do this because you've got a broken heart you're mm. not gonna feel like this shit you're gonna have to snap the fuck out essentially because but, but it, it's okay but it's okay to feel yeah. fucking shit because you have a broken yeah. heart in fact it's the most normal thing in the world but I think that's another a lot of things but a lot of people do feel that low but actually I think because of the extremities of what goes on in my head the lowness was probably more extreme than a lot of other people's mm. Yeah, but I think that guilt that we, whatever guilt, you mm. know, you always think, well, I'm being this, that, the other, I need to just, but actually it's okay, you've got to yeah. feel it, you just got to yeah. do it. You've I'm really sit. pleased actually because I do feel, and I, like, a lot of people don't actually, or don't, I'm not in tune with their feelings, so I am actually really at ease with myself for that stuff. I don't feel bad for feeling depressed or feeling, mm. fe- being broken. manic sometimes, you know, because yeah. I feel like I have much better time than most people most of the time no that's really arrogant but you know no, like, no, it's but I, um, I do feel like I'm very in tune with a lot of stuff that goes on and I'm very, I feel very lucky to be like that it's just a bit shit sometimes <laughs> but you're good you feel good now yeah no I really do I really do what's the next plan well I decided you... at the beginning of or well, the end of last year to take work and look at work slightly differently I sort of found myself being famous which was not something I'd ever planned to do it's quite weird especially when you don't really care about it actually and a lot of people probably find that weird for me to say but you know I, I my the food is the first most important thing to me food and my family actually and then music and things like that afterwards I don't I don't really this whole world doesn't really excite me but some of my closest friends are in it and it's funny because you know you there becomes this weird social scene and actually it's kind of it's all quite lovely most of the time but you know I'm, I, think, I think I am actually quite grounded by, by the most part last year got a bit peculiar that sounds intriguing yeah just, just no it just it was just quite it was just quite weird suddenly I was there was stories being written and people I was hanging out with and stuff it was just lots weird. of rumors and stuff in yeah the, about and it upset my family and it yeah and it was just something so I kind of wanted to withdraw from that a bit but also I was, what, what I mean more than that actually is that my I was well known you know I got discovered because I used to do pop-up restaurants was one of the first people 15 years ago that's kind of what I was doing you founded the um, pop-up you popped up the pop-up well, i didn't find out there are a few of us but there, you know i was definitely at the beginning of, the, of that whole world also i was a columnist for one of the big newspapers until two years ago then suddenly both of those things sort of imploded and i was getting endorsements and doing all this jazzy stuff that kind of made me lose sight of what i'm really about and actually what i'm really about is finally you know I was this really organic interesting scene in the food world and I kind of want to know, I want to spend some time getting that back and actually mm. getting inspired again. So I sort of like devoted my time to doing a lot of food and travel writing again mm-hmm. and setting up a food business finally. So that's exciting. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are. And that's brilliant because now I have focus again. And I'm, I think that was probably another reason last year was a bit rubbish for me. I mean, 2016, no one was had a the good pits. year. <laughs> it was the actual. So we can just write it off. Yeah. And, you know, mm. and my mum always used to say to me when I was little, she said, a bad day is always followed by a good day. And mm. I think maybe we can do that with yep. years minutes yep <laughs> hours yep no for sure <laughs> everything changes yeah i mean that's it you know and i that is it was a total washout and quite happy to start again i was i was a bit worried about everyone getting really high hopes for 2017 but so far so quite good we're all really good actually gizzy it's been an absolute pleasure i really really want to come around your house and eat your roast lamb you is that okay welcome anytime thank you so much <laughs> thank you're a star you. 
If you've been affected by anything we've talked about in our podcast today, a comprehensive list of mental health services is available on our website, which is www.telegraph.co.uk forward slash madworld. If you want help right now, the following organisations offer free and confidential support over the phone. The Samaritans can be reached 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 116123. Or you can contact the mental health charity Mind for advice on a range of mental health issues. Their phone number is 03001233393. That's 03001233393. And they're accessible 9am to 5pm, Monday to Friday, excluding bank holidays. Finally, there's Young Minds who provide support if you're a parent or a carer worried about a child's welfare. They're on 0808. 802-5544. That's 0808-802-5544. And remember this, you are not alone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 